Loving people, we're gonna make sure that every album gets ranked and not spanked because that's weird. <laughs> uh, hey guys, so I am I am your host, Is Evan Soddy. I don't know that that's that weird. I mean, I don't, <laughs> the last time I spanked an album, well, you know, it was uh, SM by Metallica, it was really fascinating. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm Evan Soddy, I'm your host. I'm uh, you might know me as an editor of Pop Matters, you probably know me as the host of this podcast. Uh, and the chartographers, we are here, we're gonna take an entire discography from a single artist and we're gonna rank it worst to best to forget the rest. And I am joined by two wonderful guests in order to do this thing. Uh, the first one is, of course, as always, the co-creator of this podcast, the wonderful, delightful Taryn O'Reilly! Hello! Hey, what's going on? Welcome. Now, should, we should note that as we're recording this, there is a thunderstorm going on right <laughs> yeah. now. Yes. Uh, which is great because we are talking about America's number one Halloween band, Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, they are uh, they are an indie rock group. They're the last floating piece of shrapnel off of the sinking ship that is the OC's cultural significance. It is an entire thing. And it is, it is glorious and wonderful. But guys, listen, while we're talking about Death Cab and Ben Gibbon and all the stuff that goes on, the one thing that we can't do, we can't do this alone, Taryn. We can't. No, no, we can't. So that's why we brought in a very special guest. Uh, and actually, this is uh, very fun. This is actually family we're bringing into this one here. Heck yeah. Guys, it's Karina O'Reilly. Hello. Hello. Uh, Karina is a wonderful music-loving person who actually has a great amount of experience, uh, in, especially with Taryn, uh, introducing him to a lot of different acts. They've had a lot of great musical yeah. sharing going True, back and yeah. forth. He, he introduces me more, though, even though I'm older. <sighs> that's why he's... It didn't, it didn't he's start He's the internet way. head. It's not, it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> that's why he is in the co-creator chair right, right now. Right, yeah. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm the guest. <laughs> uh, so, but hey, we're talking about a band we all collectively love, and I think we've all collectively seen live. Yes. Uh, yeah. Probably more than once. Uh, guys, at Death Cab for Cutie. So you're probably familiar with them. You're probably familiar with Ben Gibbard and his Muppet voice. Uh, and they're kind of the group that kind of, in all honesty, they set the template for what kind of like modern I want to say I, I want to say mainstream indie rock even though that sounds like a contradiction of itself no that's, that's the thing totally yeah. absolutely yeah they said it especially <laughs> for the mid 2000s up, I think, in my ranking so yeah exactly <laughs> uh, so in the mid 2000s they really helped uh, they started out as kind of an underground thing Barsook Records gained a lot of critical acclaim then once the OC I mean I, I keep saying the OC but that was such a pivotal moment in terms of like it really mo- was it was, was like really how they got discovered 90210 by... in terms of its cultural this is what it feels like to be me right now and successful and uh, then they uh <laughs> Uh, they were abandoned it. They helped define the template for the soundtracks, and that's why we're talking about them and not Phantom Planet. And uh, <laughs> that's also uh, led to them kind of becoming big uh, chart stop chart topping superstars. And uh, then they inevitably released other albums. But hey, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some of those albums and everything else together. So guys, we're talking about Death Cab, but we're going to rank their entire discography. Now, what is their discography? Well, first off, let's talk about their core albums. Their core right. albums start out with their scrappy young period uh, for the first four albums. 1998, something about airplane. Night airplanes. 2000s, we have the facts of our boating. Yes. 2001's the photo album. 2003's transatlanticism. Then the switcheroo to the major label with 2005's plans. 2008's narrow stairs. 2011's code and keys and 2050s 
Kintsugi. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, Kintsugi. And, Kintsugi, right. Yeah. And if we're not saying that right, please leave a message on our Facebook page because uh, it's fun and we encourage people to do that. I don't do even that. know that Ben Gibbard knows how to say that word, though, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> I'll say it like Kintsugi. Uh, so, guys, so those, those are the core albums. Those are eight core albums. But we do have, in this case, we actually have a very interesting qualifier. Uh, there's this little album uh, called uh, You Can Play These Songs With Chords. And it didn't even start as an album. It started as kind of their debut EP album yeah. thing. Yeah, and it was, it, like was officially, it was officially Gibbard's solo project. Well, no, and there, was, there was also All Time Quarterback was like his solo I'm Gonna Be Sad Acoustic By Myself thing. But, right. And this was, I mean, I wouldn't call this sad acoustic by itself. Right. No, it's a full band so, effort, but also like Chris Walla was helping out and, you know. Right. Yeah. He worked on it, but yeah. that was not how it originally packaged. And then they decided after the success of it to turn it into a, a full, actual, a, a, a group. Right. So, yeah. and yeah. so that's why when you're sorting through the CD bins in whatever uh, area of the country you're in that has a CD bin, uh, you often sometimes might see this pop up of like a full length album of you could play these songs with chords because they're labeled that they signed to Barsuk Records. They re-released it in 2002 with all sorts of other bonus goodies Tons and other of things. Sides, yeah. A really shitty cover of uh, This Charming Man by the Smiths. You know, stuff you can't miss. <laughs> a tape experiment called Hey Tomcat, which is like, hey, that was good for you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. I was like... I kind of like it. Is I'm this, not going to lie. I like of course it you like yeah. it. Yeah. No, you totally like it, but it's not Death Cab. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like, it was Ben Gibbard being like, oh, I like the avalanches. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do Delight. that. Well, I mean, and so, so I, I would argue for that being included in the list because it was, as far as I can remember, the songs on there as that iteration were my introduction to Death Cab. So you would count it as like more of a formal album then? Yes, I would. You know, here's... and if you look at the crossovers, there's actually not a ton. I mean, there... like yeah, there's there's enough stuff over for something about airplanes. Right. Right. But right. like they're altered versions, they're demo forms. It's one where you could almost count it as an album, and especially because it's still commercially available as an album. And I have a feeling that's true. A good majority of people that are probably listening to this podcast and not Ben Gibber, uh, they're probably <laughs> actually count it as an album. They like have it. They're like, oh, I didn't know it was a rarities comp. I didn't know it was released as an eight song EP. I think well, legit. Right. That's actually fun, and I don't know. Maybe this is why this is how you were introduced to them. But I, in like middle school, I want to say, I asked for. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie for Christmas and, and got someone it. got me you can play these songs with right, chords yeah. because I didn't specify that I wanted plans but mm-hmm. so then like Army Corps of Architects is like that's like a song I associate with them yeah. and it's not on anything else right? Right absolutely and so I love that song and too. there's another one I was listening to earlier yeah but okay blanking. cool but, so I, I say I say keep it all right, cool. In that case, we're going to add it to the lineup. So we're going to add in, uh, you can play these songs with chords, and number nine. Now, before we get into the whole rankaroo... I, I'm sorry. I just... What? I, I don't know. I I don't... I feel weird having both you can play these songs with chords and something about airplanes. Something about airplanes is over 50% songs on you can play these songs with chords. And so it doesn't make sense to me to rank them separately. I, I, I get where you're coming with that. But I think that <laughs> if you include the songs on you can play these songs with chords, it moves it up in the ranking. So I feel like it's unfair to just discount well, this, that. Well, this okay, well, well, okay, we... but on the other hand, <laughs> oh my God. You, you, I mean, you've heard the Beyonce podcast. <laughs> we did that with a bunch of songs that we really loved, but we decided we weren't going to count the deluxe editions. All right. I mean, it's your podcast. 
No, you're the guest. You I have just, an equal say. It's a three piece well, share. I think we it's your vote, this. Evan. Uh, as, as always. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also, uh, you know what? Here's here's just for the sake of clarity. Let's not include it on this ranking, but we're gonna talk the fuck out of it on the happy hour minisode. Fair enough. It comes in later, and and like we can even do like on the happy hour minisode, which y'all should listen to. Uh, it's fantastic. I've heard it. <laughs> uh, but uh, on that one, we actually we dive into a lot of where we would put that on the imaginary rankings. It's really fun. Uh, you should listen to it. It's so great. So, hey guys, uh, now just so you know, when we go into Rankaroo, uh, what we do here is uh, what <laughs> it's, the, it's the thing that we call it. It's if you listen back to every podcast, I call it Rankaroo. I'm totally. Uh, uh, so, but really, on this one, we have three people here. We have three equal shares. We have three votes. And as such, uh, we're going to go ahead. We are open-minded enough. We're cool people. Like, I, you know, like, Karina might have an idea of what a number one is in mind. I might have a number idea. But if she has a really solid argument, I might... I might be like, okay, I can see that. But I also think if I have a solid argument, she would be, you know, understand to that end as well. But also, um, I know the O'Reilly's pretty well, and they're very stubborn. So we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> but it's... also, Taryn and I think the same. So Do you, you might be... Except <laughs> that the first decision we had to make together, we disagreed. So. Well, right. okay. Fair. <laughs> well, in that case, guys, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and put on our uh, hipster clothing and uh, get ourselves a nook or Kindle. No, and let's uh, <laughs> decide. Guys, in our terms of the eight elements that we have left. Guys, what is the worst Death Cab for Cutie <laughs> album? Codes and Keys. Yeah. <laughs> Out the gate on that motherfucker. Well, we may have cheated and talked about this yesterday. <laughs> well, and we, but we haven't talked about it together as a group. Okay, let's briefly kind of set the context a little bit. So, um, really, we're talking about major label Death Cab versus indie Death Cab. Major label Death Cab, they started after the success of Transatlanticism. <laughs> they had that one little thing that you have there called Plans. It was their major label debut. It had real, their first real actual hit in the form of a song called Soul Meets Body. Mm-hmm. It went platinum. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. But then they followed it up with an album called uh, Narrow Stairs. And that one there, it's like, they felt like they were kind of doing the same thing for a while, different iterations, better production, of yeah. kind of the same song yeah. Some experimentation, yeah. right. certainly. Right, and Narrow Stairs, they, it was, I was, I was telling Taryn earlier, it's almost like their Coldplay Viva La Vida moment, that time when they just like deliberately understand and realize they have to change their sound. Right. So they're still at the basis of the same songs, but it's a lot dirtier and messier and rougher. And even though it's not perfect, I really enjoy it. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it a little bit later on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but they did that exact same thing and then it seems like they 1000% forgot all those lessons that they did <laughs> before they released right. Codes and Keys yeah. now yeah and Codes and Keys came out with kind of the same thing like ooh look the cover it's a it's a phone book you know it's a phone uh, payphone yeah, pound sign. sign yeah it's exactly sign the but it's a hashtag so like hashtag. it changes meaning or, man or I think like it was already it? the hashtag yeah. at that point but, but here's the thing oh yeah I guess yeah but the thing is that like here's an album that I think suffers from a lot of things but most importantly A1 for this is the last time they ever had with Chris Walla, the guitarist and producer, and has been the producer of the band since uh, kind of the get-go. Uh-huh. But also, it just sounds like a band that's kind of giving up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you listen to, like, just the, like... Doors Unlocked and Open. Which Doors is Unlocked and Open. That's a series is... of, like, wor- associated word games <laughs> yeah, is what that's it is. The thing. And, and, and the rest of them are, like, one sentence that is just, like, And they repeated. did that live when mm-hmm. we saw them, and it was not better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, even You Are a Tourist. That anything they did live was better. Yeah. You Are a Tourist? Yeah, I no. remember that is such a boring song. When so there's boring. a burning in your heart. Yeah, Wait, it's like... Uh, yeah. And that's... Uh, we, we sort of discussed this... And, and you and I discussed it also um, separately. It, it, it feels like these songs aren't about anything. 
He used to write yeah, on the earlier albums. He was writing poetry. Right. And it was so so it's, many. Vivid and you could images. even argue that it was some of it was pretentious. I would buy that argument. But here, it feels like this is as someone when they have a parody in their mind of what a Death Cab for Cutie yes. band sounds like. Yes. That's it's codes well, and, and keys. It's like, like when you're like, no, I don't listen to really pretentious sad music. Here, listen to codes and keys. Like it's what you're, you're trying to like throw someone yeah. off the track. Of Death Cab. Right. Right. And it's one of the things where I don't feel a lot of emotion towards it. You Are yeah. a Tourist, I think, is a terrible song. But there mm-hmm. are, like, a few takeaways. Like, I like the big old synth workout at the start of uh, Unobstructed Views. I don't love it as a song, but, like, okay. Oh, uh, yes. That's yeah. the, the, interesting. Yes, the beginning of Unobstructed Views is pretty good. Probably and then one of the we highlights have, of the CD. Right. <laughs> the and then we have a nice, solid three-song stretch. Monday Morning, uh, Taryn doesn't love it the same way. I think it's a fantastic song. Kind of the ramshamble, uh, portable television, and then, of course, uh, they're actually fairly rocking, the one that kind of sounds a lot like older Death Cab, Underneath the, the Sycamore. Sycamore yeah. uh, which is, and again, like, you know, We Are the Same, We Are the Same, Underneath the Sycamore. It's a very basic, but very universal lyric. Mm. And it works. Uh, yeah. He associates it with a good hook. Yeah. I mean, so going back to Monday Morning, because yes. I think, I don't dislike Monday Morning. I also don't dislike Stay Young, Go Dancing. Those I are fun songs. Um, I, I, I can listen to Unobstructed Views, it's but it's it's just like, it's not what you want when you want to listen to Death Cab. It's no. Not, that's, yeah. You know, like, it's like, problem. this is not what I came yeah. here for, Death Cab. I and came here for, you know. It's the same problem that we had with De- the Decemberists. The King is Dead, which also oh, came out in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but, right, it might be your favorite Decemberists album, but, but can you admit that it's not what you think of when you think Decemberists? Sure. It's not yes. the sound you think Yes. And right. that's the same thing here. It's well, not, it's not the feelings that Codes and Keys evokes, not that it evokes very many, but when it <laughs> manages to evoke a feeling, it's usually a pretty, like, um, like, I, I was thinking earlier, n- Never before this point in their discography is there a point where you want to like bop back and forth with a stupid <laughs> grin on your face because that's the only way you can respond to the song because it's just so like saccharine and and meaningless. He's just spewing platitudes all over Coz yeah. and Keys and it doesn't have any substance. Well, and here's the thing. I, I feel like anyone that's listening to this podcast right now that isn't immediately familiar with Death Cab, they may not be getting the full sense of why this album is bad because what this <laughs> the, the, I mean, I mean this truly is that yeah. this is an album that falls back on a lot of tropes that they did. A lot of successful things they had. So I, I Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I think I, cause I wanted did. to it's say fine. this earlier. I'm it's sorry. Fine. You stopped. I would have... I took uh, a breath while I was speaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> O'Reilly move. Um, no, but I think, I think the thing with, you know, see, now I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Back to my point. Uh, but the thing is that, like, there's some key moments, like, I think about, um, Plans, a lot of people, for Plans, I think that was a transformative, uh, record for a lot of people, and there's a song on there called What Sarah Said, this big, dramatic song that builds to a very strong emotional coda, and basically, on Codes and Keys, when they do a song near the end called St. Peter's Cathedral, it's kind of the same exact moves and phrases and poses, except it's like, guys, instead of about, uh, someone that you love in your life dying and being, you know, at the hospital and feeling very disassociated with life and focusing on weird things, oh, here's a song about, guys, God doesn't exist. I'm an atheist. Isn't that cool? Like, that's literally what it is. Yeah. And it just doesn't have that same payoff. The and same it, moves, but not the same payoff. And also, yeah. it's, and it, they've done the layering different instrumentations one by one until you have a cacophonous sound, and it's awesome. They've done that before. They did it successfully on Transatlanticism. They did it successfully on the intro to um, I Will Possess Your Heart. They do it on the outro, the second half of um, Different Names for the Same Thing. Mm -hmm. And 
so they so this is clearly something they've excelled at so they're gonna try and do it again they have one on codes and keys and it just it you know the layers are adding and you're like okay okay this is kind of nice okay and it's and it's it's <laughs> swelling okay it's <laughs> swelling and you're like waiting for it to an explosion yeah, no you're waiting for that, yeah. you're waiting for a payoff <laughs> and then in the last 20 seconds of the song over all of these like really beautiful like piano trills and some strings and then they add this like crunchy guitar noise that just like plays this really harsh riff for about 40 seconds oh and then the song's over so here's the thing though and I, i'm more than okay with burying codes and keys at this point i'm totally okay with that my push to you and similarly is why this and not kintsugi i'm I I actually, so that's where there's going to be a lot of disagreement on that's Kintsugi. Totally okay. <laughs> that's, that's why I wanted um, to bring it up. Yeah, well, so because Codes and Keys, I feel like, leaves me with kind of nothingness. And I remembered what I was going to say. And that's with, you know, even if you're not saying that Codes and Keys is the worst Death Cab album. There's still some with, takeaways. There's still some takeaways. But it's definitely the least Death Cab album. Ooh, I, think, I like that. Of what yeah. we're looking at. And so that's why I just bury it <laughs> okay. at eight. Because it's like, eh, yeah. They have more and, interesting stuff on everything else, yeah. in and my you, opinion. Yeah, and the only reason I bring up Kintsugi is because I feel like, much like Codes and Keys, it's one where it's an album where uh, they're just not. It's They strike a lot of the same poses they did in other albums to a less successful intent, much like Codes and Keys. Fair, sure. but I think it's more. Yeah, it's it, more successful than Codes and Keys, and the production is still somewhat better than some okay. of the other ones, in my opinion. All right. And I also. I mean, it, are we are we ready to talk about Kintsugi? Uh, okay. Well, first, I, before anything else, let's just let's just bury Codes and Keys. That's at right, number eight. Okay. We've moved on up to number seven. Okay, we're talking about Kintsugi. Go. Yeah. Um, eight, actually, the album that uh, Chris Walla left and they brought in uh, uh, Rich Costley. It was the first time they ever had an outside producer do anything with them. So that's why it has a much a little bit more of a slightly different tone and sound. Yeah, but on the other side of of you know the it should go with Codes and Keys. Um, I think that it kind of took, I mean, because Codes and Keys was rightfully panned when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I think they listened to not mm -hmm. all of, but some of the criticism from that and really applied it. And I do think the songwriting on Kintsugi is not as lazy as the songwriting on Codes and Keys. Mm -hmm. I, at least, mm -hmm. at least Kintsugi, there are, you know, there are some songs where it's the same. He's just making grand statements about life in general. But, like, I actually really like No Room in Frame. Uh -huh. I do also. It's grown on me a lot. Alright. And, and it, uh, unlike some of the stuff on later in the album, like uh, You've Haunted Me All My Life or God. Hold No Guns, where he just sounds, he literally sounds... Bored no, we, to death. we need to. We need to. Before we do anything, let's talk about how shitty these two songs are. Uh, you've wanted <laughs> me all my life is basically this kind of this you know very ornate, this very kind of placid. It's like ballad. It, he's you attempting. Haunted me all my it's life. like the the I'll follow you into <laughs> the dark. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Sequel. No. 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 But even hold no guns is even like here's just my voice and acoustic. But I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. This whole album, like I get to many degrees, it kind of analogous as Poe's Zoe Deschanel breakup, and you can kind of read into that if you're a big follower of Death Cab, you can also kind of just be like, these songs are shitty, because uh, what's what's Binary C about? Oh, yeah, Atlas no is holding up the world and you're taking <laughs> selfies or with him? Like, what the fuck is you talking about, you motherfucker? Little Wanderer is also kind of creepy. It's like a little bargain basement Pinkerton. I don't, I don't you know? hate Little Wanderer. It has a fine melody. It's just lyrically, it's just... 
weird. Now, you could take another song like Ghost of Beverly Drive, and you could be like, okay, you could take Good Help is uh, Hard to Find. Like, okay, uh -huh. you kind of have a little bit more of a hook yeah. power here, but between these two albums, it feels like, and we've talked about it before, some artists will always constantly push themselves. They'll always, like, try and, like, I'm going to get myself a challenge, and that's why I'm going to do this country-sounding album first, and now the electronic dance album, or, like, whatever. They're going to push themselves into new forms and genres and levels of confessionality. And then there are artists that are just, like, after a while, they're like, guys... I can write songs. They become craftsmen. Songs become kind of off the cuff and very ramshackle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, between Narrow Stairs, where they really were pushing themselves into new yeah. Sonic and even songwriting territory, and then these last two albums, it just feels like, yeah, I wrote some fucking songs. Like, Good Help is Hard to Find is not a great song. I don't think you're going to find it on a Best of Death Cab collection, but it's like it's solid enough. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yeah. And so that's why I wouldn't. I don't think I would put Kintsugi at, at seven. Because Ooh. Yeah. I still think that... Even though, so, I mean, fair, you're following Death Cab, they kind of stop pushing themselves. It, it does not compare to Narrow Stairs or Plans or Transatlanticism. Yeah. You know, plans Atlanticism. Three, plans Atlanticism. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're peak era. Uh, but I, I still think it's better than, in, in many ways, than some of their earlier albums where they sound like an early band. Well, can, I, can, I, can I posit something real quick? Carita O'Reilly, what would you throw it number seven <laughs> um i Ooh, spot now you're in the hot seat no it's it's between two i which one which is the photo album and something about airplanes but i will admit the photo album is the one i know the least out of all of them well i think we have an interesting thing to say about that because um uh, now for just for a record uh i started i started right around transatlanticism pl you know transatlanticism era uh that's kind of right where i kind of got <laughs> that's into when everybody kind of exactly but like i remember like getting transatlanticism and there were songs like not even not only like sound of settling title and registration but like expo 86 and then hearing once i saw mm -hmm. them do transatlanticism live i'm just like jesus christ there's some fucking amazing yeah. pop songs on here new year new year was the first song i ever heard from them and i wasn't too impressed but i still was at least able to appreciate it mm -hmm. uh but then so i started going back through the papers there i started going back through their other stuff and it's interesting i kind of weighed up and down and i thought before this last week because we always have research week before we do this podcast we right. we take this seriously we don't want to waste your time except for <laughs> making fart noises with my mouth <laughs> but um really <laughs> that's so I hate you. Or we're arguing about what an interruption is. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but I do want to say that uh, the photo album, I remember enjoying it a lot, but in re-listening to it just re during research week here, it lost oh. a lot That's for the thing. Me. It doesn't make me want to listen to it. Yeah. Like, when I, when I was doing research, like, that one... Um, I just was like, I want to listen to something else. <laughs> like, well, right? you know, yeah, like you don't like, even want to finish it. Right, yeah. but what is this album about when you get down to it? And you got to usually point to at least a decent, decent theme on some of these. Like, you know, Plans is about, you know, kind of this kind of dealing with sorting through loss and regret. Mm -hmm. uh, Narrow Stairs is very much pushing into like, you know, you know, stranger, stranger emotional territory than they've had before. We're dealing with married wives, kind of not deciding, figuring out, I don't know what I want, and stalkers and other things like that. And, you know, then you look back on the photo album, I'm like, oh, Ben Gibbard hates L.A. That's, 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 the, that's the theme I get through this album. He references it a lot. We yeah. get it. But, um, yeah, when I yeah. look... And and it's, go ahead. I, what, I, what I was going to say is, um, photo album is definitely my pick for number seven okay. as, as well. Um, and for the, all of the same reasons, it's it, it just... It, it doesn't really have highs or lows. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> it's yeah. like, even, even to the extent that, like, like I think that there are worse songs on Narrow Stairs and Kintsugi, but 
the photo album, it just it but doesn't have better songs. But there are <laughs> also better songs on, well, on those weird, albums. It weird, and though, um, one of my weird introductions to this album, uh, I had this acoustic set of like Ben Gibbard, who's at a radio station, and he just did acoustic songs. He did like "Recycled Air" by the Postal Service, uh-huh. uh, and like acoustically by himself, and it was great and lovely and he did like a song of farmer chords a song he only did on the split ep and then he did the song i hadn't heard before called i was a kaleidoscope you know uh-huh. i as i you know out in the winter my teeth chattered rhythms and they were grouped in twos or threes like a morris code message was sent from me to you know like and it's just like what the f- that's a, that's incredible like that's mm-hmm. a fantastic lyric and then I heard the album version this kind of clunky guitar this and it's like yeah. it lost something yeah. yeah so that's the other thing about these these early albums is for me um, something about airplane something about airplanes sounds airplanes that's the other one sounds, it's all plans era it's like it's it's garage rock mm-hmm. and I think that yes. it's, it's really good garage rock right like, I really enjoy it a lot actually. Agreed. And then from there, they sort of, they are finding their sound more and Ben Gibbard is really becoming the Ben Gibbard that we know. Right. And, and so it's really becoming, it's going away from garage rock and becoming right. more indie rock. And so on these two albums, we have the facts and we're voting yes and the photo album. It's still that sort of gritty garage rocky sound and it just sounds Instead of sounding lo-fi like the first album, to me, they both just kind of sound sloppy. Yeah. Well, and, he, and the other thing I want to point out to that, though, is that I feel like the only thing I will give the photo album is that I feel like this is the first time they ever experimented with, like, high-energy songs. Like, they kind of ha- they kind of had, like, some decent... I mean, in the Garage Rock days, they kind of did, but not, like, in the digestible pop way that they had. Yeah. Like, they, they 1,000% would not have been able to make Transatlanticism had they not made this album first. But it's just such a lesser note. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and there are some takeaways. I would say a movie script ending, I still really, really yeah, enjoy. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and blacking out the friction, depending on the day you catch me, I could be like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And well, like, again, thinking of seeing them live, like, why you want to live here, I remember was a, like a note of their show. I don't yeah. know if it was like the hot, you know, obviously like the yeah. ones I really knew I was loving, but I remember taking a second and being like, oh, I don't know this song as well. Yeah. And like live, it kind of spoke to me. Yeah. Right. And Taryn, and you were even saying that some of the lesser material on Kintsugi you said came a little bit more to life in the live set. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I would say the, No Room in Frame is a great example of oh, that. that. Yeah. I liked it a lot more, more after I saw version. them li- do it live. Well, even the studio version. Yeah. I, oh, I don't okay. know. Just oh, like, you like the song. Seeing, okay, yeah, yeah. Them, seeing them just actually express it i don't know I, I after seeing it live the the memory of that i don't know it just makes me like the song more okay um and that's the same way i i mentioned little wanderer earlier mm-hmm. and um what was the other one oh things that did not were not better live um <laughs> on kintsugi specifically, on kintsugi specifically. Just for those of us, people yeah. who don't have it in front um, of them <laughs> El, eldorado was just as bad. Ooh. Ooh. I, remember, I remember not liking that, and I didn't know El Dorado before we saw yeah. them, and I was like, what is this song? And Did also, you just stop and play what Sarah said? Anjanu also, like, not yeah. better yeah. live. Although the whole bench, not... we didn't wrote that one. Yeah. Oh, so, good, good, so, job, guys. good job, guys. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah, that's, okay, so even Walla has yeah. writing credit on that So one. here's here's my, here's my double hot take. All right. <laughs> number one, are we all okay with putting the photo album at number seven? Yes. yes. Okay. Thumbs up. Number two, are we all okay with putting Kintsugi at number six? Um, yes. I am okay with it. I'm just going to say that my other nominee for number six would be mm, we have the facts and we're voting yes. yes. And this is... 
Hot take. This is why I think that one deserves a little more credit. Okay. Um, if, again, if you were li- listening kind of in order, I feel like title track is, like, the, the first really, like, this is the death cab that I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I and I, that doesn't carry through the whole album as much, but like it does a little bit. And I just feel like that I that feeling and we have the facts and we're voting yes um, puts it above Kintsugi for me because Kintsugi is it, like I said, it's better produced. I think it's got a more finished sound. So even if the songwriting is not as still... great. It hollow. goes kind of right, it's, and, but it's hollow. But so I, that's why I would put it. Yeah, and, and I will say flat out, album, but I will say flat out that it, we can put Kintsugi uh, there, and uh, maybe we have the facts or above that because I do not love we have the facts, but much as we talked about sometimes before, that is an album at the very least I can appreciate. Yeah, I can appreciate. I'm- no joy in Mudville. I can appreciate what they tried to do with four hundred five. I actually four hundred five. Uh, I appreciated it the first time, and then as I listened to it a couple more times this week, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, I yeah. actually I actually do like 405, so, and no, so, okay, that was short. I think we can definitely put Kintsugi at number yeah. six, then. Yeah. yeah, so long story short, we're not spending a lot of time talking about we have the facts, we're voting yes, and uh, that's okay. That's okay. So, we said what we had to say about it, and that's exactly. where we Exactly. I mean, literally, you guys, you can listen to it. It's very, it's wallpaper rock. It's fine. It's, uh, right. it's good. It's, it's enjoyable. It is actually really nice background music. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I would say, like... Right, no, I was doing notes to it earlier. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> but, like, No Joy in Mudville Company Calls, and I would even say Scientist Studies, are actually very nice. Just, like, I feel like it was, while musically it didn't advance the band so much, it was very much lyrically. Gibbard is, at least, he's starting to break out of his shell a little bit more. Yeah. He's trying yeah. this yeah. thing. Yeah. cool. All right, cool. Well, guys, uh, we're halfway through the list, which is perfect amount of time we need for this podcast, but that leaves us down with four albums. What do we have left? Glad you asked, person who is not you. Uh, <laughs> cement. Uh, we have 1998's Something About Airplanes. We have 2003's Transatlanticism. We have 2005's Plans Atlanticism. And we have 2008's Narrow Stairs Atlanticism. So, guys, we have four albums left, and I can kind of see a path. Well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, I gotta. Well, I'm gonna throw out my vote for number four at this point. Okay, go ahead. Which is something about airplanes. Yeah, yeah, I'm on. I'm on board yeah. with that. No, yeah. let's briefly talk about this though, because that is a, It was their. It, you know, it's weird for those who have listened to the previous podcasts uh, and or are familiar with general, you know, pop music. You might agree with this. How and Tara and I were talking about this. Something about airplanes is in many ways their castaways and cutouts. The debut album for the Decemberists. This lo-fi, a little bit scrappy. Yeah. Maybe not perfect, but you can see where the fucking talent is. And there's some, is. like, really strong yeah. songwriting, especially and, looking at the two albums that come yeah. after it. Yeah. And, like, I think the thing about something about Airplanes is, if I didn't know Death Cab for Cutie, and today someone was like, here, listen to this album of this band I really like, like, something about Airplanes, I would be like, yeah, I could listen to these guys. Totally. Like, even though it feels kind of, like... If once you have heard more of their stuff, you're like, oh yeah, this yeah. is their early well, work. Like, it's early work I would listen to. Whereas if someone handed me the photo album, I would be like, yeah, okay, right. Death Cab for whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, 100%. <laughs> Death Cab for whatever. So, um, um, so I, that's why I think something about airplanes deserves to be higher up on the list. Okay, no, and I think that's fair because I think honestly uh, that opening song. That fucking opening song, Bend to Squares, yeah. when they have those those really raw but beautiful, like, you know, uh, cellos going, when they have this, that very simple acoustic plug, and an opening line which sets the fucking tone for the band. Uh, Gravitate. 
Towards a taste of mm. foreign films and modern plays. <laughs> like, come on, that's a gimme. That's a gimme. That's a great line, and I think it's just like, it starts, it's very much indicative of what was there. Yeah. And like, there are other, like... I, and I think that uh, something about Airplanes actually has a couple really great songs on it. Uh, pictures in an Exhibition is like mm-hmm. one of my new favorite tracks Ooh, yeah, yeah like yeah, at yeah. all yeah um like i heard it on you can play these songs with chords well i i heard it on you can play the songs with chords and didn't remember it at all mm-hmm. and then heard it again uh pictures in an exhibition just doing it earlier this week and was like what is this and now i've listened to it probably a dozen times right. yeah. like i really love that which song. really quick side note uh-huh. that's why i really like you can play these songs with chords because it <clears> takes like the best of something about airplanes and then add some other decent stuff. But anyway, we'll talk about that more later. Apparently. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And also, like, they, there's a grittiness to, like, champagne from a paper cup. Yeah. They never got that dark. And they, I know they're exploring themselves, you know, a little bit, you know, emotionally. But, like, they never got that brooding or that or that way again. Like, And so it's just interesting because this is just a personality that they kind of shoved down inside the nice gossamer of what, you know, pleasant pleasantry injury <coughs> was later on. But at the time, yeah, like, this is like, they're again, as you said earlier, they're a garage rock band, but clearly with emotional intent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some people that love Line of Best Fit. I don't... Love it necessarily. Yeah, I yeah. actually really like Amputations, um, yeah. which is one that I was like, "This is pretty good." And then again, as I listened to it more and more, it really grew on me. And I like, I really like the. Uh, there's like a, a vocal sample at the end that's just yeah. like yeah, that's spoke, really cool. the spoken yeah. word sample. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really nice way to wrap up this song, and I really love the the line. Um, He's unresponsive because you're irresponsible. And the way he delivers that, and just the way it's mixed with the guitars, like brittly like, but beautifully. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and also uh, the controversy around uh, the face that launched a thousand shits, because uh, who wrote that song? Apparently, I mean, and this one because we were talking. I about assumed it. it was an original, but and I guess maybe it is because the technically, technically the band that originated that was Revolutionary Hydra. But uh, that is a bar suit kind of show up when you want kind of band, which it kind of feels like bar suits broken social scene. Kinda, but like but shittier. Broken social but like scene way shittier. Yeah. Uh, and because Ben Gibber and Chris Waller were members at one point, so I don't know if it oh, came from there. Gotcha. But um, yeah. right, which is why it almost doesn't seem like a cover. Right, like if they, if Ben wrote it and that other band played it some. And then he was like, okay, well, now I'm going to actually record it on this album I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So, so how about fuck you guys? I I'm going to take like that, that money and go home. happens early songwriting, yeah. though, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but long story short, guys, we're totally okay with it. Something about airplanes, number four. Now, real quick, uh, because we're at a dividing line, I feel like. So let's just briefly recap. Number eight, codes and keys. Blah. Number seven, the photo album. <laughs> number six, Kitsungi. <laughs> uh, number five, we had the facts from voting. Yes. Okay. Okay. Number four, uh, something about airplanes. Yeah. Give me more. So, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about some give, me, give me more. Give me, give me more. Guys, Britney Spears singles. Number one, give me more. So uh, let's go ahead. We, we are down <laughs> to uh, genuinely, the, this is the toughies here. Yeah. Transatlanticism, plans, and narrow stairs. Now, I want to talk. I'm gonna toss it to when you guys put number three on there. But I feel like the gut instinct for a lot of people is gonna say narrow stairs. I'm just telling you right now. I'm probably gonna disagree with that. But I'm willing to hear arguments. Interesting. My vote for number three is transatlanticism. Really? Ooh. 
<laughs> My vote for number three is definitely narrow stairs. Okay, cool. So we got a debate. Let's go go into it. Okay, first let's talk about transatlanticism. Now I feel like if you walked up to generic music critic A and you said, "Hey, Bryce, you sell," uh, if we were talking about uh, what your best Death Cab album is, I'm kidding, Bryce. Uh, <laughs> what you know, like, what would it be? Uh, and I feel like most critics would probably say, "Well, transatlanticism is considered their best work." But but we're, we want to talk about a little side tangent here. Do they have a masterpiece? Well, you know, let's talk about this after we decide number one. I take that back. Let's talk about that at number one. Anyway, Transatlanticism, favorite album. Tell us more. Dorothy, number three. Number Tell three. Us more. I'm going to tell you more about why it's number three. I just, so, um, it's so hard to talk about without, like, ranking the other two also, which I feel like is, like, <laughs> spoiling it. Yeah. Um, so but I'm not going to do that. Populist but this So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, so Transatlanticism was really popular. Um, it has the the pop hits that you know you were kind of talking about earlier um but they built that shit up straight up they did and and it's fun to listen to but it just is not i would i would listen to the other two albums first any day and so that puts transatlanticism at three for me and see it's what i feel like even with the lesser songs and for the record there are lesser songs of this album specifically i'm looking at you tiny vessels and death of an interior decorator <laughs> uh but there but the thing is that when i think about especially when you go to a death cab concert more often than not you're want to going to be hearing stuff from these three albums here mm-hmm. and you're want to be hearing those hits but especially title and registration and the sound of settling and especially transatlanticism which is a fuck of a closer Right. Uh, even though, if, and for some reason, I don't know why, in research week here, uh, I didn't realize that wasn't the closer. I'm like, that's the middle of the album? What the yeah. fuck? What the fuck? That feels that? like that has to be the closer. They, uh, they usually close with it. It was, yeah, it was their, wasn't that their first encore? Or no, it was the, it was, they ended the set pre-encores yeah. Yeah. with transatlanticism. Yeah. And so I guess the, I mean, the other thing is that like, I love transatlanticism, but I will possess your heartbeat set for me. Really? All the time. Really? Um, yeah, That's I really just fucking love that intro. I love the build. I just, I that the package of that song is more to me. Well, let's talk a little bit about Narrow Stairs. And while <laughs> I talk about it, I'm then going to have Taryn shit all over it. Um, the thing about Narrow Stairs is that, again, we talk about how uh, after the success of Plans, after they went platinum and had their first ever major radio hit, uh, they then began dirtying up their sound. They pushed themselves into deliberate terror. And Chris Wallace said he really wanted to do that. He kept the errors and the mistakes and the muddy little bits and midgets here and there. Uh, and it sounds like it. This sounds like, in many ways, I think what they think an indie rock modern album sounds like. Yeah. Sure, 2007. But also, it works. The fucking opening riff for Cass. Um, yes. Yeah. That uh, someone on a YouTube comment once said, "This riff cures cancer," <laughs> uh, because like it's just like so gorgeous and melodic and beautiful. Uh, and even uh, Bixby Canyon Bridge. I, that's one of my favorite. Oh my god! Like it starts yeah. out so unassuming, and then this. Yeah. And he starts building and riffing off it, and there's noise, and it's like there, there's I, I, even though it ain't. Perfect. And let's be real, specifically uh, Fuck You Talking Bird, I hate that song, and also the Tabla workout that is Pity and Fear. Uh, <laughs> but there's still enough fascinating, fun the stuff going on. tabla workout? Yeah, because there's that... I mean, no, I know. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's, the, that's my biggest takeaway from Pity and Fear. That and also the fact that it has that rising noise at the end that's like way too loud and then it cuts out yeah. which a lot of people at the time were saying like did they just like cut it bad or was that and I feel no, like that's Chris Walla being hey, look at this motherfuckers like <laughs> trying to like like oh we're distorting the system or whatever that was the last time uh, we heard of Chris Wall. Um, okay I'm kidding no but, I Narrow Stairs for me I like it a lot I just you know uh, I, the, I mean the same thing that Korea said honestly for me also and probably because it it was a single 
before the album came out, we were already huge fans. So when I Will Possess Your Heart came out, I loved the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. I love that song. And for, for those who don't know, that is a nine-minute can-style Krautrock yeah. workout about being a stalker. And it just, like, totally works. It works like, so well. Yeah. There's n- I don't know. There's not a lot of bands that can put out nine-minute songs that, like, you want to listen to over and over again. Right, and they studied shit. They made it work. I just, even that fake piano intro, that blur, blur, and then the boom, 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 also songs about stalkers generally are kind of awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying, not being a stalker, but writing songs about them. It's a a potent emotional yeah. drawing Never point. And you have nine you minutes take. worth of things to say about it. Because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every move you made. Yeah, yeah. We, we get or, it. Uh, I, was, I like how I was doing it like a country Ultra hat and a dirty hang. So that would, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, that's yeah, awesome. And... Uh, but, uh, Taryn, why don't you love this more than the other two? Um, Because... Is it comparatively? or is it's, it that No, you... it's totally comparative. Okay. Um, if it wasn't comparatively, I would have ranked it lower. Um, Fair. But, uh, no, I mean... I, basically, most of what you guys have said already, Bixby Canyon Bridge, I Will Possess Your Heart, Calf, great. Uh, also, I really like your new Two Inside Bed. I really like that one. I really like your new Two Inside Bed. Um, Except I hate that the, line. I, I love it, the song. I just hate that line. It's like, the single pillow for your single head. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Ben. Come yeah, on. you don't. Know. I don't love that, that one. Bothers si- you? Single head. Of all of the bad single lines head. that he has put to tape, that's, <laughs> that's the, the one, one that, that you. No, and that song. I don't like that one line. I'm not saying that's the worst Gibber uh-huh. lyric. For the worst Gibber lyric, was right. in the Happy Hour mini set. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will discuss it. Um, but I mean, and then but after that, it's just it all kind of blurs together, and it's it it. But I think the narrow same stairs thing to me. I think I think narrow hmm. stairs to me kind of. Uh, was why I wasn't surprised when Codes and Keys wasn't great because for me, I really loved Plans and they had already started slipping a little on Narrow Stairs. The weaker tracks on there are pretty weak for me. They just don't do anything oh. for me at all. I, I like Long Division, yeah. but I think the chorus is like, I, I just yeah. wish it had a different chorus. Yeah, that's fair. In general. But here's the thing. I can just point something out about the text. You know, you're saying how it kind of blurred together. I feel like Narrow Stairs is an album where I feel like I just get so much different color out of that album. Yeah. And I, but you just pointed out kind of the monotony of transatlanticism from a purely sonic level. I see that. And like I, I don't like the sound of settling. Well, you're wrong. I think but it's that's an fine. annoying song. That, I don't totally like wrong. it. It's fine. At least it's, it's only two minutes. Exactly. About it. At least yeah. it's only two minutes. That's fine. But like, I, I don't know. I I am not feeling strongly enough about this that I'm gonna fight Taryn Tooth and Nail on number three, but Well Evan I mean, is. I guess so. I, but I my vote is with transatlanticism. Right. Well here's I don't know. I, I guess trans Yeah, I know. I was feeling the exact same thing. The exact same thing. No, I mean, to be fair, that's been me. me for the last two days. I just made the decision already and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Nar- narrow stairs for me. Yes, it has a lot of different colors to it, but it has a lot of different colors in those big standout tracks that we've mentioned already. And then when you get to the rest, I don't think. Okay, so they now you out. have to make the case for transatlanticism. So, transatlanticism, title and registration, I think, for me, Alone is. qualifies it. Is 
I can, I can. Oh yeah. Like title and registration. Yeah. Sound of sailing, transatlanticism. I also love passenger seat. Passenger seat um, is beautiful. It's, it, Expo yeah. 86 is beautiful. Expo I mean, 86, I, uh, I was not a fan of when I first had this album. And yeah. then again, yeah, it really oh, stood out to me. It's one of the best me, pop melodies I've ever done, I think. Yeah. Like a couple years ago, I think I, I rediscovered that one and. Yeah, it's yeah. really... And I'm just going to say, I think these two albums are really close. Oh, I Ugh. agree. Okay, well, in that case, guys, well, you know, I normally would like to come to a decision right now, but this is this podcast, so we're already throwing enough crazy things out there. Let's talk about plans for a second. Let's just do that. Let's just get this uh, little plans party going. <laughs> um, they've never released a better set of songs than the Ever. first five on plans. You had me until you said first five. I, I mean, I think Plans is solid from beginning to end with the last two. No, with really only the last one song being a little weaker for me. But but one through ten, I will listen to on loop. I, you know, here's the thing. So, but here's, we talk about the songs that we like. I want to get into the why. And uh, I feel fair. like, with, I feel like we, there's an emotional potency that, that they really had with transatlanticism. Because really, when you listen, when you listen to the new year, this is the new year. Yeah. But I don't feel any different. Like, there, it's, there's potency to these lyrics. There's. You got that muffet down. Yeah. <laughs> I got the. Hey, listen. I have a, we're gonna have a this Muppet off the during the half. <laughs> you can do any Death Cab song as Kermit I've the Frog. Got a hunger, he even looks like Kermit the Frog when he performs. My like he looks like a Muppet not... on stage, if you ask me. But anyway, <laughs> and I mean that in the most little in a way. Language that <laughs> you can't read. But I would say that in Transatlanticism, there is a disassociatedness. There, and again, the sound of settling, as joyous as it is, kind of has a little bit of a darker message. But plans. Just dove the fuck in. Now, I will say, the plans at times can be emo as fuck. Uh, and in, in particular, I'm thinking about Someday You Will Be Loved. Uh, and that is a song... Uh, I don't think... I don't know if you can do a ranking of Death Cat Cutie's <laughs> discography and use emo as fuck as a complaint. I mean, uh, that's I mean, kind of what Your heart is an for, empty room, though? Right? No! I fuck... So... And let me <laughs> talk about why... I have a lot of feelings about Your Heart is an Empty Room, and let me tell you why... Because I'm polyamorous, and that song, I feel like, just speaks to my life. Like, very strong. And I don't think that that's what it was written about, which right. is fine. And sometimes I think that makes it a good but, song. But then, song. but then you have something like uh, I Will Follow You Into the Dark, which after the uh, commercial breakthrough that Transatlanticism was, I feel like pl- I feel like On Plans, and especially that song, Ben Gibbard has never written a more concise ballad than that. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that that is one where, like, as, and you can even call it, like, you know, oh, it's a solo acoustic mic and vocal, whatever. You can call it gimmicky, but, like, it is just a concise, contained, beautiful little song, which, again, he tried to do on fucking Hold No Guns, you know, later on. He just can't, didn't he didn't repeat it at all. Because, I mean, and the other thing I think about Plans, top to bottom, is that it's the poetry that you always yeah. want him to write. And he mm-hmm. writes it solidly on this album, in my opinion. Um, and it's there on a lot of the other albums, but it's not as solid Solid as through. it is on this one. Now, it's weird because when this album first came out, um, there was also, uh, there was, it was right after the big success of the Postal Service as well, because the Postal right. Service was a slow burning success. And I remember like, oh, they're signed to a major label. They're going to have a lot more synthy sounds. And well, yeah, they have more synths. They are very clearly two different commercial entities. And if you really want to gas, read some of the early reviews of plans when they first came out. Cause like, you know, post Postal Service, Ben Gibber is what, like, it's almost all the reference but which is 
hilarious because that just means that none of those people knew what they were talking about because right. Postal Service was released seven months before Transatlanticism. Yeah, but it didn't really gain like popular. I mean, well, it, it was right. released, but it, no one gave a shit but, about it when but, it came but, out. But that yeah. doesn't mean that it that doesn't make it post Postal Service is post post. It's planned because transatlanticism was already post postal service, and and also postal service. Since we're talking about it, can we say post postal service again? Post postal service. Post postal. Uh, No, this is during postal service. This is mid postal service. But I'm getting peak postal. It's very much like him working with someone else. Like there's there's threads there, but it's not at all the same band. And anyone who who like says it is is just. You know, what, you, know what's, you know what's really funny, though? Um, I did an interview with uh, Chris Walla, the you know, guitar mm-hmm. producer once. And he talked, and there was a, le- and I asked him about it because he said in an interview uh, prior to, I want to say, Narrow Stairs release, where he said that, the, he, I guess because he collaborates, even though Ben Gibbard is a songwriter, he's right. the producer, so they do a lot of collaboration. And he talked about how on the Postal Service album, quote, uh, there were lyrics that Ben got away with on that album that I wouldn't have allowed. Which I thought was really interesting, yeah. and, and and when I asked him about it, he didn't like have super specific examples because I think they didn't really necessarily have bad blood or anything. Maybe they do now, but um like and so I feel like plans, you know, if they were in more harmony, more uh, configuration, there, it's just like well, what? Well, okay, maybe the JFK song off of a uh, postal uh, postal service album, but like oh yeah, the whole sleeping in song, yeah, exactly, yeah, no, Walla would not have allowed, no, that. he would not have allowed that, that. whole like, thing, what the fuck are you which doing? I'm so glad that it happened, yeah, right. but, uh, <laughs> my favorite song in that album, but anyway, we're yeah, not talking about anyway, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, but like, and they talk about they got a Grammy nomination for so best like solo rock performance for I Will Fall You Into the Dark, which he was happy about because like it's a guitar and a mic, that's all it is, I right, hit record, yeah. and they got a Grammy nomination for it uh but then you look about and here's the thing you talk about how the first five songs are perfect and i i have a lot of feeling towards this album uh but honestly i can't like soul meets body but especially marching bands in manhattan doesn't strike me in the same way like martin marching bands in manhattan is so surreal lyrically that i can't find initially an emotional grounding for it go ahead it's surreal but at least it's about something (laughs) you know it's about like i love you so much i want these absolutely impossible things to happen like and i don't i and i mean a little surreal is good for your soul also that song for me it's much more about the soundscape that they create and less about what the song what the song is about i agree okay and then soul meets body i mean maybe it was just the fact that it became a hit i'm just like this is your that one never struck me in the same way. But when we talk about really, yeah, I, I mean, it was my introduction it to was, them. And I also feel like it was right. their introduction for a lot of people too. Like right, that yeah. was entry point number one. I yeah. still absolutely loved like Soul Meets Body is one of my favorite songs of all time. Also, what Soul Meets Body did for me, and I'm guessing for you, even though it was totally different times in our lives, yeah. right? Because, like, Soul Meets Body for me equals freshman year of college. And it, it just, like, captured yeah. this little, like, capsule yeah. of time. And, and so, even though I'm, like, now, yeah, I'm kind of just, like, hey, you know, it's this goofy pop song, and, like, I understand that. But, but it, at the moment. it continues to pull out that moment for me, and not all songs live up to that. But yeah. Soul Meets Body definitely does. So yeah. if you didn't have that moment when you first heard it, it might fade. Yeah. I can see that, but... 
you know, and it, like, it and, and, and as we just talked about before, Stable Song kind of sucks. Let's just get that. Out of <laughs> but um, when we talk about the... which, my favorite fun fact about Stable Song, yeah, it's actually a reworking of a song from an EP. I think it was a bonus track on oh, a yeah, photo yeah, album. Yeah, it's yeah. called Stability. Yeah, yes. Stability is a twelve-minute version of Stable Song. <laughs> if you ever needed to be more bored, that, <laughs> you can go find that out. Isn't that the same EP where they did the cover of Bjork's "All Is Full of Love"? Though, I yes. feel like that, and yeah. that is I actually kind to dig that yeah. that was actually pretty solid but um i will also say uh and that's the thing for an album that's so ballad heavy and we could talk about the coda to um different uh, names for the same thing that mm-hmm. big instrumental rising action on the second half which different names for the same thing is a that's a one that like i revisited and fell in love with i mean i, just, I loved I, it at the beginning yeah. i like, was always in love with it i learned how to pl- play that opening piano part in high school because it's pretty simple but yeah. and i just like, like one of the first things you taught, taught it yourself yeah. yeah 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 it was but, like boston and then that yeah <laughs> but then the other thing Tell i will say about, about the time. song is that it's so ballad heavy that when you especially when you have stuff like you know the very moody but emotional brothers on a hotel band a song like crooked teeth an actual rock song just feels like a breath of fresh air yes. because, let's be honest as as solid as this album is it still has it lags it still is very a little bit dry in a certain sense, especially tempo-wise. And when you have moments like that, or even Soul Meets Body, it helps really punch yeah, it up. Yeah, they're lot very more. important for the album. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, but so uh, the other thing I will say about Plans is I think it carries the most songs that you can take out of the album and like stick somewhere else, and they stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. like oh, I got almost all of those. I can I can put, you know, on okay. a mix or in. In some or just listen to the one song. Yeah, because even like Brothers on a Hotel Bed, which isn't like the, it's not even the best ballad on this. It's not even the best like fully produced album on this. Uh, on the fully produced ballad on this album, but the yeah that piano yeah. riff that you were it's just it's singing. Beautiful. It's gorgeous, and you could easily put that on a mix CD for someone. And you don't have to like get the Death Cab like ethic or whatever yeah. it yeah. is to like that song or to like oh. Some someday you will be loved, for example. Okay, now so, real quick, to backtrack just a little bit, are you still number three transatlanticism? Are you still number three narrow, narrow stairs. stairs? Um, I'm gonna concede narrow stairs is number three. Okay. Okay. With but, but, but with reservations. That, with the caveat that there are individual songs on Narrow Stairs that I think are better than all of Transatlanticism. I I gotta be but honest. But as an album, I might concede it to be number three. There's a, there's I mean I and I have such a deep love of Narrow Stairs with its flaws and awe that and it's hard going up against Transatlanticism. Part of me just wants to fuck off the haters and just uh, have Transatlanticism be number three and Narrow Stairs be number two. <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to do that really strongly. I'm totally okay with Plans being number one. I guess there's a little surprise. I thought Transatlanticism would end up higher, but uh, I don't know. I kind of well, want to. Yeah. Yeah, Transatlanticism is definitely my number two. Okay. I'm, I'm I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with that. Okay, in we that did, case, we had a good run, guys. Guys, are you ready for this? Because here it is, right here. Our death cab for cootie. cootie. I mean, God, I am not. <laughs> totally the, different I am not the first person to make <laughs> that mistake. We have had that. a lot of those tonight. You could just do the. My dad <laughs> used to always call them death cube for caddy. Yes, oh my did. fucking god, I hate that. Uh, so guys, number eight in terms of the death cab for cutie rankaroo. Number eight is codes and keys. Number seven is the photo album. Number six, I don't know why it's this high. Kintsugi. Number five, we have the facts that we're voting yes. Number four, 
something about airplanes for the debut. Number three, narrow stairs. Number two, transatlanticism. And number one, planes. Plans. Oh, plan. Yeah, that too. Plans. Something about. Did you just say plans? I, I do. Earlier, I was, I was doing, totally I was doing that specific. I was, it was a joke. Because I do something about airplanes, you know, uh, whatever. Right, exactly. you're trying to mix everyone up. Codes and album. Uh, that doesn't work as well. Kintsugi. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> Kintsugi. Can can yeah, code, codes and Kintsugi. <laughs> They're actually just one album now. Right. Whoa, well, guys, that was that was an amazing that was an amazing debate that we had. So yeah, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. I was I was actually very surprised by the rank. It's pretty good. The real question is, you dear listener, um, do you agree? I don't think you do, but you might. <laughs> but if you don't, here's what I want you to do. Go onto the Chartographer's Facebook page and leave it up before. We've had some comments now already on it, and it's been a great debate to hear yeah. from people. G- yeah, give us your but ranking. I don't care if you're, honest, if you're listening to this on, uh, you know, the fucking SoundCloud or the iTunes or the Intune or however the fuck we have this formatted. Uh, go ahead, jump on the Facebook, leave a comment. We want to know. It's kind of great. In the meantime, though, two things. Number one, stick around, because there is going to be a really awesome happy hour mini show where we talk a lot more about Death Cab and have our best Muppet impression you've ever heard uh it's gonna be happening you know it is uh and two thank you guys uh thank you taryn of course as always for uh being here and being delightful and wonderful and a ray of sunshine in the life and uh karina thank you for coming all the way out during Stormstorm. Uh, yes. to, to see us here of course yeah, for all those lightning crashes those were every time that uh karina said something we disagreed with but oh. it's totally okay it matches up listen to it in the meantime uh keep on listening because you know we'll be see you at the happy hour see you guys Bye.